0: left for three in the win yes Deion has got it. I watched Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. First team all defense. First team defense. I don't know about this but Rihanna
1: just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> Welcome in to the Roadwire NBA podcast thursday april 20th nick whalen here with alex barutha uh alex another big night in the nba playoffs on wednesday we got three more games coming at us tonight uh really packed slates kind of the rest of the way here three games on friday four games on saturday as we get the all-day slate uh i want to back up and talk about wednesday night's games before we uh, give our take on what we expect to happen on thursday you know what I wish I would have gone stronger on this, Alex, either on our previous pod or on the radio show or on our XM show together. I the minute that Lakers Grizzlies game tipped off, I was like, yes, here we go. This is the classic Lakers letdown spot.
1: Yeah, they um man, it was it was really disappointing. They they started to put it together towards the end, but that was mostly because they remembered like, hey, we we have a ton of size on this team, let's go inside. And I thought they mm-hmm. they spent too much of the early game just kind of lazy around the perimeter. I thought LeBron settled for some jumpers. I don't know how you give up 22 to Xavier Tillman. Um, it just, it, they, they were not, <laughs> they didn't feel like stepping up. I, I don't know how else to say it. They just lacked intensity.
2: Yeah, LeBron was getting whatever he wanted inside the arc. Uh, he was one of eight from three, just awful. Um, you know, he finished with 28, 12, and three. Just a, a classic kind of LeBron, you know, salvaging a, a, a nice stat line and a loss. I did not think he was very good in this game. I, I thought he was really, really quiet, really deferential early on. You know, meanwhile, D'Angelo Russell is just throwing the ball all over the place. Like he had, it was like one of three with, or, or excuse me, zero for three with three turnovers in the first four or five minutes of the game. He was a complete disaster all night. Finished two of eleven, one of five. But it, normally in these situations, we see LeBron step up and say, "No, I'm bringing the ball up. I'm running everything. It's going through me." Right. And, you know, we, we got that a little bit in the second half, but I, I do wonder how much that foot is still affecting it because to me, it, it it looks as though he has no interest in going to the basket unless he absolutely has to.
1: No. And I think, like I said, he's, he sells for a lot of jumpers. Wasn't there a point maybe it was in the third quarter. He kind of went on his own. He went on his own little personal run. He he tried to be like, okay, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all for five minutes here. But then he, he asked to be subbed subbed out.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah you mean, don't see maybe, that from LeBron. You know, like we're, we're used to, you think of LeBron in the playoffs and, you know, granted we haven't had him in a like normal playoff setting since that last year with the Cavs, if, if you really right. want to parse through it, but you know, he was, he was playing like 45 to 48 minutes a game. And yeah, he's, he was subbed out early in this game. We, we saw it in game one as well. Like he, I, I actually thought he was starting to trend in the right direction toward the end of the regular season. He had some really good shooting games. He had eight threes. I, I think it was against Minnesota or Utah, um, you know, it, it, kind of looked like he was, he was back to the guy he was before that injury, but yes, I am convinced something's going on there.
1: I, I think it's, I mean, age combined with the foot. And I mean, when you have a foot injury, you know, it's really hard to get that cardio back because almost everything cardio related has to do with, you know, running, um, or, or biking or something. And that'd be really tough on your foot. So I think it's just a bad combination of like, even as good as the moves, um, you know, at the trade deadline were to get him some help. It's still pretty reliant on him to get those guys the ball and Mm Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell, right. They can have their moments as, um, as playmakers, but they're both bad defenders. So it it just, it's, it's always going to create issues for this LA team. If LeBron can't play 40 minutes and be, you know, give it his all on, on both ends.
2: LeBron was minus 17 in 39 minutes. You know, the, the Lakers won the minutes without lebron james in a playoff game like that that does not happen very often right I mean, he, he just wasn't himself uh, I, I didn't think he really looked like himself in game one and he thankfully he didn't need to be because you know Rui hachimura and, and austin reeves were so dominant in, in that game i mean Rui was great again I, I did not think we would see a follow-up like this but he had 20 points 7 of 12 shooting reeves was pretty shaky early on but it was important for them and when they kind of narrowed the gap in the second half but yeah you mentioned russell would the Lakers have been better off just trying to grab Mike Conley as part of that, (laughs) that midseason deal, as opposed to bringing in Russell, like I I get that Russell has a higher ceiling, but man, I mean, this, this dude, he was so, so bad last night.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe they didn't want to get older, you know, with Mike Conley in there. And I think they wanted a little more scoring punch, which you can understand, but this is also the exact situation that got them into the Russell Westbrook business where they're like, well, we don't really want buddy Heel because we want more. We won't want more of a ceiling. We want more scoring punch. And they run into the situation again. Um, Mike Conley also isn't a very good defender. I mean, the Nuggets were not respecting him at all in in this no. um in, in the series, literally just shooting right over him. So mm-hmm. I don't think it will make a huge difference. Uh, but I agree. I mean, D'Lo, D'Lo has to be the third best player on this team.
2: The bottom line for the Lakers is LeBron can't be going one of eight from three. He shouldn't be taking a three-pointers no. unless he's he's feeling it that night. I mean, Russell one of five. Uh, you know, Malik Beasley, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more of him. Like he's kind of the only true, uh, you know, kind of shoot first, uh, you know, three point threat that they have. Like they, you have guys who can shoot the three, but that's, that's what he does. And it seems like he's been phased out over the last couple of weeks. Lakers still favored to win the series. They're heading back home to LA. Uh, we'll see how LeBron responds. I mean, there's, there's been a number of times over the years where I've thought, has he finally losing a step or is he injured? And then, you know, the next game he, he goes for 40 and, and all those concerns are erased. So that's, that's definitely in the cards but i you know, with each passing day alex I, I i feel less and less convinced that this lakers team is is a real threat to win the finals you know i mean if, if you can't show up in this spot last night against the grizzlies i i don't know how you expect to make it through the west
1: no they're not they're not a seize the moment team they want to try as little as possible until they have to start trying and then most of the time when they when they really start trying and 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 put their put the pedal to the metal it's just not enough it's too little too late and mm-hmm. I just think they don't this was a situation, I mean, I mentioned it at the top. They without without Steven Adams, without Brandon Clark, the Lakers have a huge size advantage. You know, LeBron in the third quarter was just trying to bully guys late and I think some of the other and and drew a lot of double teams and kicked out for good looks. And um you like you just have to do that all game. It's it sucks. And I know these guys are older and they're veterans, but you're gonna you're gonna lose the series if you don't if you don't do that.
2: Yeah. Trying sucks. I know it sucks guys, but please try the whole game if you, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, Davis was really, really bad. I I thought he was still fine defensively in this game. Uh, it looked like he maybe got a little banged up early on, which happens pretty much every game. So tough to put too much into that, but he's got 12 blocks over the last two games, but you you knew the Lakers were in trouble when Davis is getting stuffed at the rim by John Conchar. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, that's always a bad sign.
2: Yeah, that, that same, I mean, the game one, like that was arguably the most aggressive I've ever seen Anthony Davis. Not even shooting the ball, but just like, you know, it was almost Giannis-like, like just flying in, going for every single offensive rebound. He's fighting for it until it's in somebody's possession. Uh, we did not see that AD last night, four or 14 from the field. Was really not interested in, in getting all the way to the rim. A lot of fadeaways, uh, a lot of kind of, you know, trying to maybe bully his way around Xavier Tillman and just kind of bouncing off of him. Uh, but Xavier Tillman was, was the best big man in this game by a mile. I mean, he outplayed. Anthony Davis significantly, 22-13 uh, and 13 for Xavier Tillman. The NBA regular season has come and gone, which means it's time for a new way to play daily fantasy basketball for the playoffs. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they brought three new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. With unique games like Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head Player Challenges, and Over-Unders in Fantasy Book, Daily fantasy has never been better right now. RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings, but if you lose your first entry rival fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks, go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash signup. Again, that's play.rivalfantasy.com sign signup and use our code rotowire, NBA, all one word rotowire, NBA. Use that at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step onto the court and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Let's get to Milwaukee Miami. Uh, this could not have gone better for the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I think they were rewarded. Uh, if, it, if, it, if it kind of felt like Giannis was 50 50, my guess is look, if this was game seven of the finals, Giannis is playing. He's, he's not going right. to be 100%, but he's playing. I think the bucks made a calculated decision and said, we think we could beat the heat without him. And we're going to hopefully have it back at closer to a hundred percent on Saturday. And this game was you know completely wrapped up by halftime. And the bucks put up 46 in the second quarter.
1: Well, Holzer actually uh, uh, opened his eyes and realized that the heat were putting Max Struess on Brooke Lopez. And so they fed him inside yeah. and he scored 14 <laughs> points in the first quarter. Like I, yeah. Again, I harp on Buechenholzer as much as anybody. I just could not believe what I was seeing in Game One. Um, so they actually went to it, and look what happens. Um, you know, Bucks were also cooking from three after Miami cooked from three in the last game. That that was a lot of it as well. But um, yeah, I mean, this is it's it's this is a scenario for the Bucks where they they got a ton of open looks. They played really well as a team. And it's something we've seen them do all season long when Giannis isn't in like drew Brooke and Middleton. That's a really, really good
2: one, two, three. And it, it for sure can beat this, this Miami heat team. You were all over the Brook Lopez matchup. Uh, you know, thankfully you, you informed our listeners on the XM show. I think his points prop was 14 and a half. Like you said, he basically went over in the first quarter. You knew right away. I mean, they, they, ha- Oh, it was 13 and a half. There we go. Yeah, he, all right. He went so- over
1: again. He did go over in the first quarter. <laughs>
2: Well, you can tell first possession of the game for Milwaukee. They, they had a play set up where they basically just lopped it into Lopez for a dunk. And you're like, okay, they, they saw the same thing we did in game one and and it it continued all night. I mean, Lopez only took one, three, pretty much every look was within two feet and half of them were dunks. Um, So he finished with 25. I mean, Drew Holiday, the, uh, the seven and a half assist prop also hit. He had 11 assists in this game, but I mean, it helps when you're knocking down 25 threes. I mean, it was, it was getting borderline laughable for a while. Like they were, I think at one point early in the third quarter, they were shooting 70% from three.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is uh, like, of course they got hot from three. Right. But I think they were, they put themselves in a situation to get open threes in the first place by attacking the paint. I mean, this is such like a classic. I feel like this is such like a classic old coach phrase, but it's like, you got to get two feet in the paint on every possession. You have to try causes defense to collapse. You kick out for open shooters. And it was ironic that they managed to do it without Giannis. Um, but Drew, you know, Drew can play bully ball, get inside. Lopez, again, was very good. So they worked themselves into those open threes, and they knocked them down.
2: Yeah, a lot of them were good looks. I mean, there were a couple, like, end of the shot clock, like, okay, Joe Ingles, we'll, we'll have right. to live with that one uh, type of looks. But, you know, Pat Coddleton didn't even, I don't even think he played a minute in game one. If he did, it was garbage time. Uh, you know, he came in, he hit six threes. Most of those were kind of wide open looks from the corner. Uh, Miami just looked tired to me. I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler had 25, but he had to work hard for that 25. Uh, you know, I, th- I actually thought Bam played well early on. Like he was kind of the only guy who was answering some of these shots for Milwaukee, but just an overall onslaught. I mean, it, how many players had multiple threes? I think six players uh, had multiple made threes for Milwaukee, including Connaughton and Ingles off the bench. Now, I mean, that's going to regress at some point. Milwaukee's not Correct. hitting 25 threes per game. But, um, you know, th- this, this to me kind of feels like it erased all the sins of game one. Like the, the Bucks are back.
1: 100%. And there are some games like this where, where your star player is out and you, you figure some stuff out when he's not on the floor and you can carry that through mm-hmm. uh, in the games that he does play. And then you, you know, you can cruise to some easier victories. And I think that's what's going to happen
2: here down uh, for the rest of the series. Denver and Minnesota in the late window. Uh, watched this one up until halftime and thought, here we go again. You know, Denver is just, they're they're overmatched uh, against Minnesota. You know, this, this Wolves team has talent, but they, they just, they can't match up with Denver defensively. And then Minnesota goes on a huge run in the third quarter. This was a really close game deep into the fourth, uh, but hell of a game by Jamal Murray. He finishes with 40. He had a couple of huge shots down the stretch. Michael Porter came alive to, to help this one, uh, you know, kind of seal it up for Denver. So for the second straight game, you know, Jokic played really well, 27-9-9, but uh, it, it just kind of felt like he, he had to do his own thing. Like He did not have to carry the Nuggets, which, yes, it's the Timberwolves. You're not going to be able to get away with that the entire playoffs, but I, I feel like that's a really good omen.
1: I think it is. I, I did think Gobert, Gobert impacted him a little bit and uh, didn't game one as well, but it, it, there are a lot of situations where it just looks too easy for Jokic um he's not settling for threes at all he continues to try to force it inside bully ball passing just classic Jokic stuff um and yeah I mean this is what you need Jamal Murray to do obviously he doesn't have to do it every game because Jokic is so good that he can he can basically pass Bruce Brown into 20 points um on occasion but there are going to be situations where yeah you you do need that 40 out of Murray um he he looks great man
2: this this really felt like you know and, and look, I, I haven't watched all 82 Denver regular season games. Like, he had plenty of good games during the regular season, but this kind of felt like the reintroduction moment for Jamal Murray, who you, know, you forget it's, it's been so long since we've seen him in the playoffs. Like, he's had huge performances like this in the past, and you know, I, I think any uh, you know, conversation about is, is, is he still bothered at all by that knee it was can kind of be flushed away after last night. So, good to have him back in full capacity. Uh, On the other side, Anthony Edwards, who had kind of a string of disappointing games. He looked really good in this one, 14 of 23 from the field. He had six threes of his own, 41 for him, uh, one point more than Jamal Murray. Also three blocks and two steals for Edwards. Uh, Not a great game from Carl Anthony Towns, who was just – it was a classic Towns foul trouble game.
1: Yeah, he – He's just not great on defense. He cannot be out in the perimeter. He's also really not athletic enough to like rise up for blocks. So he kind of gets like trapped under the basket sometimes um, and kind of sticks his arm out and guys go through him, obviously gets fouls there. And um, he just doesn't, he just not a bully ball guy inside. Like you can get away with putting smaller guys in towns and that creates issues because it allows you to pack the paint against Gobert, make sure he doesn't get any easy lobs. Um, it's uh He's just, he's not having a great series.
2: Did, were you watching it or did you, did you see the clip of Towns like very nearly elbowing the, the ref in the face and like probably knocking him out? No, I didn't actually. He, well, I'll, I'll send it to you after, but for those listening, or if you've seen it, he, I think he was kind of demonstratively trying to show a different ref, like somebody was hooking him. So he did the kind of hook motion where you oh, yeah. yank your elbow back. And he was like a half inch away from just clocking a, a ref behind him, but we didn't realize was there.
1: I'm actually surprised that doesn't happen more um, I feel like I see that like every every few games you watch you see someone just make some sort of motion like that yeah. with like a, a opposing player or a teammate really close and it's like man if you were six inches closer to this guy
2: you would you would knock him out I, I feel like somebody did it with a fist pump like within the last five or ten years i I'll, I'll have to look that up uh, I'm sure the listeners could could probably uh, come up with it but like somebody like finished an and one and like you know kind of pumped the fist and and nailed the ref but uh, regardless, close call from Towns. Uh, that might might have been assault uh, had he connected. Uh, although, incidentally, <laughs> we we do have lines for Game Three in all these series. Alex, uh, Timberwolves two and a half point dogs at home for Game Three tomorrow night. The Milwaukee Bucks five and a half point favorites uh, on the road at Miami. That's on Saturday, and the LA Lakers four and a half point favorites at home.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know I could see. Um... I can see the Timberwolves getting one. I thought, I thought Denver fell asleep a little bit in the third quarter, and Minnesota took a really good job of taking advantage. It, I mean, it felt like Denver fell asleep and Minnesota woke up at the same time. Like there was a completely different level of intensity in that third quarter, and maybe they'll be able to capture that at home. Uh, wouldn't surprise if you know. Wouldn't be surprised again if they stole this one. Um, you know, I think the other two lines make sense. Um, you know, going home for both of these teams at plus five and a half you know, for that heat game, that makes me feel like Giannis is playing.
2: I would think so. Yeah, I I would think so. I I do wonder, you know, is is the book, you know, kind of hedging a little bit here? You know, we saw the number move so many times uh, in advance of of yesterday's game, kind of felt like they were playing both sides in some ways. I mean, if if Giannis is at full capacity, I, I will happily take Milwaukee minus five and a half.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, like I said before, I think they figured stuff out without him and then you put him on the court and I think they can kind of execute the same way and it, it could be a really good game. Um, And Miami without hero, they, they got a de- I mean, they hit, they actually put up a decent amount of points on Milwaukee. Um, right. 122, which is uh, as, as Milwaukee you shouldn't allow that to happen. Although there was some garbage time, obviously. um, But I, I don't think they'll do that again. The rest of the series, I'd be, I'd be shocked if they put up 120 again for the rest of the series.
2: Well, see, I was going to ask you that exact thing. Uh, you know, they, Miami had 130 in game one, you know, and then, and yeah, plenty of garbage time. You know, the Heat actually did, uh, pardon me, heat up late in this game. Like it, it went from like a 35-point game to like a 19-point game really quickly. Like the Bucks had to do the thing where all the starters had to come back in with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter just to make sure that they, they didn't completely blow this thing. So, it, you know, Miami, you know, they, they hit a few lucky shots late and, and that drives it up a little bit. But we also saw this, A bunch of times down the stretch for Milwaukee in the regular season, where you know they 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 beat Indiana, they put up one to forty nine, but they allow one thirty six. They allow one forty to Boston uh, in that that just dominate game by the Celtics. They allow one twenty eight to the Wizards. Uh, Like, is that a concern at all? Like like defensive rating wise, uh, you know Milwaukee's. It's not like they're last in the league. Like they're they're playing so quickly that a lot of points are being scored, but um, you know allowing one twenty plus to the Miami Heat of all teams. And back-to-back games is, is at least semi-concerning to me.
1: It is, but I, I do think a lot of it is just it's just hot three-point shooting. Like Miami is yeah. shooting fifty-one percent from three on the series, and they're just not a good three-point shooting team. Hero's one of their better guys. I mean, they started Duncan Robinson, um, which I think is also part of the bad. reason he was bad. I mean, that's also part of the reason I think they, you know, they, they end up giving up hundred and uh, what was it, one hundred and thirty-eight yeah. to a Bucks team without Giannis.
2: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's look to tonight's slate. Thursday. Uh, you know, by the time you hear this, some of these games may have already tipped off, but we'll, we'll dive in anyway. Some fun series, uh, things to look at, at large, uh, Sixers nets. This has felt like just a, a complete domination. I, I know the scores haven't been as lopsided maybe as, as like the Milwaukee scores or the Boston scores, but, um, yeah, this feels like the last stand for Brooklyn tonight. They are four and a half point home dogs.
1: Yeah. I was a little, um, uh, Maxi had a great game too. I was a little confused by why Doc Rivers decided to like over help on Mikael Bridges because it didn't hurt them really in game one that he popped off in the mid range. And then you allow Cam Johnson to go nuts in game two for some reason. Um, but yeah, they haven't even, I mean, the 76ers have not, they haven't even played that well. I don't think um, Hargan's not getting his follow calls. He only has 31 points in the whole series. He's shooting 32% from the field. Embiid only has 46 points in the series. Um, you know, this is just a problem because the Nets, we've talked about it. They, they're they going to double team and bead, but they just don't have the personnel to stop him or stop anybody else uh, off those passes. They just, they can't do it. They're going to have to, I don't know what they're going to do in game three, but I, I think they're going to have to break out some gimmicks because otherwise <laughs> it's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah. I mean, you said the same thing going into game two and you're right. I just, they just don't have very many options. You know, they're, they're not no, a they team don't. that that has a new look you could throw out or like, you know, we mentioned beyond, beyond Nick Claxton, who's just physically cannot bang with Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid has like probably close to hundred pounds on him. Like they just don't have anybody else. Like Daron Sharp is not going to provide any resistance. Like he, I mean, do you throw Cam Thomas out there and just say, Hey, go wild. Give us 40. I would actually,
1: yeah, sure. <laughs> like I said, I, mean, I would actually, I would, I would rather them go small if you're going to double Embiid because I would, yeah. I would rather you, force him to plow through two six foot seven guys um, because he's passing out of those anyway. And then you can space out. uh, You can space out with a smaller offense and hit some threes driving kick. You can also push harder in transition, which you have to do against the 76ers team. So I, I actually would not be surprised if we saw Cam Thomas, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like more uh, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney Smith lineups, um, you know, like at the four and the five stuff like that.
2: Yeah, gotta get Royce O'Neal going. Uh, they have no chance yeah, I, to win this game unless, do. unless Royce O'Neal. Sad, that, <laughs> the I sad know. part
1: is that's a, that's my actual opinion. Like I actually think like you got to get Royce O'Neal and Dorian Funny smith more open looks from three, and you got to you got to run them in transition. That's my
2: that's how I actually feel. They they should take fifty threes in this game. That's that's their 100%. only hope. I, I truly think that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of taking fifty threes, the Kings and the Warriors. Uh, I, yeah what do you make of this line? It's moved from five and a half to six golden state, six point favorites at home. That's big. They are at home. They're not in Sacramento, but no Draymond green. I, I, I feel like we're giving the warriors a little too much respect here. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, the bugger at home. We have to say that, right.
1: Every single time <laughs> there's a, regardless of whether it's home or road, we just have to acknowledge the home road split still. I I'm on Kings plus six tonight. I'm pretty sure. So Demarious Savonis is going to play. Uh, um, the numbers this season, the numbers without Draymond this season are awful for golden state. I pulled them up on cleaning the glass with Draymond green off the court and Steph Curry and clay Thompson on the court, which I think is important for these playoff games. Like just assume Curry and Thompson are playing 40 plus minutes in that scenario. The golden state warriors are minus 11 point differential per 100 possessions. Terrible team. Like, horrible. Um and I again, I know they're at home, I know this is again this is a must win. This is a back against the wall must game win for Golden State. Um I I just I can't do it. I could I just cannot take Warriors minus 6 in this spot.
2: I'm okay with taking Warriors money line if you maybe want to tie that in with another money line or a prop or you know, just try to get some better value there. It's at minus 240. I I could see the Warriors winning this game and and obviously it's possible they could win by six, but I don't feel confident in it. I think we get a close game for sure. I I think, I think the absence of Draymond offsets the home court advantage for golden state. You know, I, I think they're already struggling defensively in this series. And uh, I I just, I don't, again, I don't know what the pivot is here. Like you, I guess you could play more Looney. I think we'll, we'll likely see more Gary Payton, but Gary Payton as great of a defender as he is. I mean, he's what six, four, six, five at best if that. I mean, you can't really replicate exactly what Draymond gives you. You know, they haven't really shown a lot of trust in Jonathan Kaminga yet. He's going to have to play minutes in this game. They're going to have to likely dust off Anthony lamb or, um, you know, Jamichael green who they brought in this off season. Like you don't, it, I don't know. It, 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 like I said on our last pod, like to me, it kind of feels like you always expect the warriors to have that, that like one extra piece. That's just better than everybody else's team. And they, they don't have it. They just don't have it right now. And, and taking Draymond out of the equation I think it's going to be massive. The other thing when it comes to the series is the Kings are not shooting the ball. Well, as you know, we, we talked about this on the XM show yesterday. Uh, you know, they're they're shooting like 30% from three as a team and they won two games at home. So I, I they, you know, they're not the warriors. It's it's not like, you know, you expect Aaron Fox to shoot 45%, but at some point, Kevin Herter is going to get going. Harrison Barnes is going to get going. Trey Lyles. Like, you know, if they just have like one or two of those role guys hit, you know, maybe they combine for five or six threes. I think that could swing the game. And that, that game is coming at some point.
1: Exactly. I mean, well, because the, the the Kings are winning the possession game and they're not shooting very well. So if they continue to win the possession game on offensive rebounds and, and turnovers, and then they have a good shooting game like you're bringing up, then it's that's just going to be a win. Um, and to me, this is a huge Wiggins game. Um, I think, you know, we've seen – Davion Mitchell, Bother Curry. I think they're gonna lean on that even more um, with Draymond out because they can afford to go even smaller. Um, and I don't think Clay Clay can not create that well off the dribble anymore. He relies on on Draymond a lot to get him open looks. And you if you're golden state, you you need to attack Demonus Sabonis at the rim because he's not a rim protector at all. And Wiggins is one of the only guys on this team who can. Like pump fake, make a cut, and just detonate on somebody. And he was really good against the Kings of the regular season for that reason. Um, I, I don't think the uh, Sacramento has anybody great to guard him. Harrison Barnes hasn't hasn't been amazing on him. I think I think Wiggins. This is a really big game for him.
2: Yeah, big time. I, I think you're totally right. Um, you know, we, we talked about Davion Mitchell and the job he's done on Curry, and you know, you're not going to shut down Curry, but I, I think he's done a, a really good job of making Curry work. To get to the rim he hasn't been, been getting there nearly as much as, as he would like uh you're right on clay even, even at his peak before all the injuries was never a guy that was going to be blowing by guys and finishing at the rim it, it, it's on wiggins uh to do that for them so we'll see man i, I think we get a really interesting game i i i'm just i'm really i'm surprised Well, maybe i'm not surprised I, i'm just I, I guess i don't agree with uh you know the the, the remaining respect for the warriors at the sports book but with that said if they win tonight you know they're going to be favored to win game four and all of a sudden, if the series is two-two, you know exactly where all those lines are swinging.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, I still, uh, you know, I, I thought the Warriors were going to win the series. I I changed my mind. Even if they, even if the mm-hmm. series goes back two-two to Sacramento, I I I've I've still changed my mind. I still think it's Sacramento uh, is going to end up winning this series. Now, um, what do you think? Like, if you had to, if the If the Warriors, and if this series goes 2-2 back to Sacramento, Mm -hmm. what would your lean be on the series? Or does it depend on how those games are won, essentially?
2: It it definitely depends. But obviously, one of those would be a win without Draymond. So that would be pretty galvanizing. You get Draymond back for game four. I I I think with the way that the momentum, in theory, would be shifting there, it would have to be Golden State. Um, I mean, Golden State, right now, down 0-2, is plus 140 to win the series. Like, they're going to be favored to win the series if they win tonight. So, you know, I, 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 not, not that the, the odds are representative of what will actually happen, but right. I, I think if they find, if they win both of these at home, I'll pro- I'll probably jump back in now. Does that mean that I'm going to say that they're on their way to the finals? No, I, I, I kind of view them similarly to how I do with the Lakers, where like, we just, there's just something missing with, with those teams. And like, I, I think the way golden state's played these last two games, I mean, like they they would get destroyed by Denver. They get destroyed by Phoenix. So I, I think, you know, that reckoning is coming at some point. But yes, if it's 2-2, I'll take the Warriors. Uh, let me ask you this. Looking at uh, odds to win the conference, so just go to the finals, not win the finals, uh, would you rather bet right now Sacramento at plus 850, Golden State at plus 650, or the Lakers at 6-1 to one to win the West? Or just none of those?
1: <laughs> Ideally none. but I also think get, the I, Well, been... hold on. I'll
2: also throw in Minnesota okay. at 200-1. to one.
1: Thank you. Um, I would take the Kings. Uh, they are the team. I, I, why would you feel more confident about the Warriors or the Lakers at this point after what we've seen, even, even if you consider like we can just take since the all-star break and including these first two games for these series, like I would take the Kings there.
2: Well, you also have to consider the second round opponent is the Lakers or the Grizzlies. And I, I could see the Lakers kind of slogging their way to like a six or seven game series win there. Uh, but I, I mean, based on what I've seen from the Lakers so far in two games and what we've seen from the Kings, like I, I think the Kings would beat the Lakers. I, I think that's like exactly the type of team that the Lakers don't want to have to face. Like you have to work hard to stop the Kings for 48 minutes. The Lakers do not want to do that. No, they don't. Yeah. Uh, what about in the East? Philly right now, plus 450. So there's a, there's still a significant gap between Boston and Milwaukee, their odds are virtually even uh, after last night, but there's still a a little bit of hesitancy when it comes to Philly, but I I feel like I'm starting to see more and more. Yeah. I I think the Sixers could beat the Celtics takes.
1: I mean, I I've considered the 76ers a contender all year. I think they can definitely beat the Celtics. The problem with betting the 76ers to win the problem with betting either the 76ers or the Celtics to win the East is that they have to go through each other and then they have to go through Milwaukee. Milwaukee only has to go through one of those teams.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is true. I mean, I, I think we need like, a, well, you we can get conference finalist odds. So you can get oh, wow. Sixers and Bucks to be the Easter Conference Finals at plus 310. That
1: seems like... I'd rather bet that. Like, yeah, that seems like fine value to me.
2: Yeah, compared to betting the Sixers to you, you'd basically be betting the Sixers to beat the Celtics and the Bucks back to back at plus yeah. four fifty. Yeah, that's much, much, much better value. So yeah, if you're looking for for a sneaky little uh, futures bet in the Eastern Conference and, and you're a Sixers fan, uh, maybe Sixers Bucks as the exact result in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we got Suns Clippers in the late window tonight. Uh, Kings Warriors, I, I think, has probably been the the best series to watch so far. Um, you know, just in terms of game flow and, and the names involved and everything going on with the Kings. But for me, Suns Clippers has been a very close second.
1: Suns Clippers is just a ridiculous series. Um, it's been so much fun to watch. I, <laughs> Kawhi, Kawhi's shot making is insane. Um, you know, the, the Suns have not found a great way to deal with him. They tried trapping a little bit more in game two, but Kawhi is a very good passer. He stays very patient. It ended up being a lot, a lot of open threes for the Clippers again um, in that game too, uh, which I think is going to continue to be an issue unless they try to start playing Kawhi more straight up, which again, I'm not sure you can afford to do. Um, One thing that kind of stuck out to me, obviously that the Suns end up winning the game. They pull away in the fourth. Watching that game in the third quarter, I thought everybody in the Suns, at least the starters who were out there looked gassed, like completely tired. They were not closing out kind of like slumped over shoulders and because the minutes, the minutes are really starting to rack up for those guys. But obviously they got a little bit of rest before this, this LA
2: game. 44 minutes for KD, 45 for Devin Booker, 38 for Chris Paul. Um, I Definitely more than you want for any of those guys, especially in a first round series. I actually thought CP, he was really bad in the first half, but uh kind of closed the door with a, a couple of really nice mid-rangers late in this game. This was, was his best game of the series. Obviously there's only been two. Uh, but you do worry about his viability uh, over the long term. I, Torrey Craig bailed him out again. Like the Clippers, the Clippers probably should have had close to a 20-point lead at one point in the first half. I mean, they they came out really hot. Phoenix was a little cold, um, and Torrey Craig was kind of the only guy hitting shots for a while. And you know, the Clippers were still up. What like I think they were up 10 or 11 with like six minutes left in the second quarter, and uh, Phoenix closed with a flurry to, to essentially tie it at the half. And I, I do think the Clippers should still feel good about where they are. You know, getting game one is huge, takes the pressure off in game two, but even with the Sun shooting fifty-eight point eight percent from the field in game two, this this was definitely a winnable game for the Clippers. I, I think if if Powell and Bones Highland and Nick Patou don't go 0 for eleven from three, I, I think they had a yep. really good chance to win this game. A hundred
1: percent. Like I I rewatched this game, you know, I watched like the thirty minute condensed version. This is kind of what I do in the playoffs. I I counted twenty-two open threes for the Clippers. Um Ooh. and you know, I they didn't have that many more how many did they have total? Thirty. So 11, I thought twenty two are their twenty-two of their thirty three pointers were wide open. They hit eleven of them, which is thirty seven percent. But they again, like you're saying, they could have probably hit forty five percent of those, and then this game is either a win or, or much closer. Um mm-hmm. so they have to they kind of have to figure that out defensively because it's this is a little bit cliche to say, but they are trading twos for threes. Um, you know, because the Suns barely get any open looks from three and they're basically all to Tory Craig, who but I Tory Craig is like if you're gonna give him wide open threes, he can hit them. But there is
2: gonna be a game where he cools off a little bit. I, I if you're a Clippers, you hope so. I mean, he's he's been red hot and like you said, most of them have been wide open. And at some point he's he's gonna cool off. But you know, NBA players can hit corner threes. You don't have to be uh you know, Ray Allen to to knock those down and yeah, I thought he bailed them out. I thought DeAndre Ayton played pretty well as well. He hit a lot of mid-range jumpers, was much better on the glass in this game. Um, Clippers did have 12 offensive rebounds, but didn't, didn't really feel like it mattered all that much. And Russell Westbrook was pretty damn good again. Uh, 9 of 16 from the field, 8 of 8 at the line for a guy who's fallen off a cliff as a free-throw shooter, uh, especially in the first half. He was he, he kind of looked like old OKC Russ for a little bit.
1: Russ was good. He's getting all over the floor. He had a nice block um yeah he's he he's just he's having a really good series so far you know game one obviously offensively struggled but still got the win stepping up on defense um continues to be really good on the hustle stuff the offensive boards only has five turnovers in the entire series which i, I think you have to consider a big win um i demand a recap for, for him me. yeah uh and well Aiden got in foul trouble um in this game, had four fouls early and then picked up a fifth one and then gave up a few open layups trying not to get a sixth. Biombo looked pretty good though. Um I don't think I don't think did Landale get any minutes in this? Doesn't really matter. No, no but
2: yeah.
1: looked good. Um you know I think they can survive the eight and the the minutes where Aiton's out, but he can't he can't continue to pick up fouls. He can't continue to let the Clippers dominate the offensive boards because like you mentioned, he's getting wide open, mid-range looks all the time. He's shooting 58% from the field in the series as 32 points, but you can't be, like, hacking everybody on the other end and giving up a ton of offensive rebounds.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he had the touch shooting the ball in the mid-range, but, um, you know, no assists, no blocks, no steals. It's kind of what you get with DeAndre Ayton, but right. Biambo came in. I mean, he played 15 minutes, 6 points, 3 blocks, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, went about as well as it possibly could have. So I, I think we continue to see him over Landale, uh, let's go, Cavs Knicks, real quickly, and then we'll talk Coach of the Year, and we'll get out of here. Knicks are two point favorites in Game Three tomorrow, as the series shifts back to New York. Uh, you know, close game in Game One. Knicks pulled it out on the road. They they get the one that they needed, uh, but a, a dominant performance by the Cavs. I mean, that was it was almost Bucks like uh, in some ways, where you you just kind of felt like it was over by by halftime.
1: Yeah, I mean, they. Um, I think both you and I were on Darius Garland in this game. Um, he got good open looks in, in game one. I think they wanted to feed him more in game two. You know, less forcing from from Donovan Mitchell, less forcing from Evan Mobley. I thought one thing they really did was was get the ball inside. Um, you know, they didn't do that as much. I thought they settled a lot. And again, like I said, with the Bucks, getting the ball inside, getting the ball in the paint, that helps a ton. Um, it frees up open looks, and they just decided we're, we might be done with Isaac Okoro. Like we will have Karis Levert out there. He's going to help space the floor for us because we cannot, we cannot have the rim basically completely blocked off because Mitchell Robinson is just standing there the entire time looking for swats because you just help off of Isaac Okoro. So Levert had a really big game and they continue to hunt Jalen Brunson as well. Brunson finishes with 20 points had a pretty good game in general. It wasn't super efficient, but was giving up a lot on, on defense.
2: Uh, just saw a tweet. Kawhi Leonard will not play tonight due to a knee sprain. Oh. Um, yeah. What? So uh, I, I, a knee sprain as opposed to like soreness or, or obviously you wouldn't think there'd be load management uh, in the playoffs, but that's a, a little concerning. Uh, I don't know when that would have happened. Do you, do you remember any point in the game where he was like limping at all? I, I don't really remember that.
1: I do not at all. Huh. Um yeah. Weird. So
2: yeah, <laughs> no Kawhi Leonard. Everything we just said about that series, just uh, forget <laughs> that. Uh um, yeah, I'm trying to get an updated hit, line here.
1: I would still hit the over on the Tory, uh, I on uh, the Eric Gorgon over two and a half threes, but yeah. I assume that will move.
2: Um, Man. Like there's well, this is this is going to be a free free win for the for the Suns. So good for them. And unless unless Russ goes boat, we need to consider that.
1: Yeah. Um, I I don't even know how to react to this. I think um. I mean, what do you? So, what do they do now? They just more Terrence Mann, more. (laughs) What do you do? More Batum, Robert Covington. Oh, it might be Covington time. I don't know. It could be be Marcus Morris time. The thing is, I think you you need ball handlers out there. Again, you might have to. You might have to pull some gimmicks and go. Yeah, maybe more Covington
2: play five out and just let let Russ cook, as they say. Um, It's Russ time. It's rust time. That's, that's your only option. Like Eric Gordon can hit open threes. He can, he can dribble around a little bit. That's about it. I mean, Norman Powell, kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. Powell. I, I think it's going to be bones and, and Westbrook.
1: Bones and Westbrook. I I think Powell will get his fair share of ball handling opportunities. I mean, he's, he was a, he's a fringe six man of the year candidate, but he had a pretty good year. I think he, he got overshadowed by, you know, the guys who are going to take first, second and third and, and quickly Brogdon and, and Portis. But uh, Paul can handle a little bit, man. Um, yeah, you're saying man I, or Terrence man? <laughs> both, <as well. laughs> I, honestly, both. I thought Man's had oh, some man, good moments. Are... Honestly, um, yeah. he's good on he's good on defense. It can hit threes, but without Kawhi, I mean, this is tough. You know, like no Paul George, no Kawhi. Again, I think you have to. You kind of have to get gimmicky here. Um, but I'll be really interested to see how some of these, you know, this won't be as relevant, but, uh, for people listening, depending on where you listen, but so how some of these player props shake out, um, yeah. and what the line ends up being, um, cause it looks like it's still not up.
2: Yeah. I'm not seeing that either. Uh, should be up any minute. Uh, so we'll, we'll pass that along, uh, as we, as we continue here, I, I did just want to talk about coach of the year real quickly. A, oh, sure. a clean sweep for Mike Brown got all 100 first place votes.
1: I think that's deserved like I you know my coach of the year ballot would have been him number one and then Mark Dagnalt number two number three I'd have to think about a little bit more but honestly I think Will Hardy would deserve some love I'm not sure if I would give it to him but yeah I think I think Brown deserves the the unanimous kind of decision there um and it looks I mean it looks even better after going up 2-0 against the Warriors
2: yeah exactly (laughs) uh, you know, it felt like it was really close for a while there. And yeah, by the end of the regular season, we knew he was winning it. I'm still, I'm a little surprised it's unanimous just because of, you know, the, the Dagnall results versus expectations. Like I I thought, you know, maybe, maybe JB Bickerstaff would steal a vote. You could see the case for Michael Malone, uh, who's never won this award. Uh, even Will Hardy, you know, I, I think a lot of people did not expect Utah to be anywhere near the postseason, and all those guys got second place votes, but yeah, not not really close at all. uh you know, Dagnault ended up being a, a pretty clear second. Joe Missoula, third, JB Bickerstaff fourth, Michael Malone fifth. Uh, but yeah, well deserved for Mike Brown. I believe we get 6 man of the year announced later tonight. I'm pretty sure that'll be Emmanuel quickly, right? I, I've seen some some Brogdon rumblings from some of our friends over at Vison Uh Femi Bebefe okay. was, was tweeting something that he's 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 hearing Malcolm Brogdon. We'll see. I, I to me I, I would be shocked like the number moved way in favor of quickly those last couple of weeks. Brogdon,
1: Brogdon was my preseason pick, but I think um I think Quickly did enough. And I think you have to I mean, six man is tough because if you just kind of look at like the scoring argument, like a lot of people view the sixth man as who's like the best scorer um off the bench, which Brogdon would be better in that case, but I, I think there's not a lot of two-way guards, like, quickly, who have ever won this award. It'd be a little bizarre for him to get it, despite being in a big market like New York.
2: It felt like things lined up for him, because, like, a lot of his best games... I don't know if... Wasn't he in the starting lineup, like, when Brunson was out? Uh, like, he, he had, yeah. like, 40-point games. So, it's like... I feel like he increased his profile while filling in for Jalen Brunson. I mean, he was still fantastic as a 6 man, but, uh, like, Brogdon, I think, was the more kind of classic candidate. I.
1: The thing is, I... I, I actually, I kind of disagree with their argument. Like, I think I think part of being a sixth man is, yes, you play 24 to 28 minutes or whatever it is off the bench in most scenarios, but if the guy in front of you or someone in front of you is out for 10 games, you step up and you play like a starter. I think that's kind of the definition of it. Yeah. And the fact that he stepped in and proved it and played that well, I think, to me, that actually, like, I think that furthers the sixth man case. I get, like, I get why people may say like Brogdon's a more classic case, but I think had Brogdon got more of those opportunities, that that would have been fine with me if you would have looked better.
2: Yeah. No, that, that is a good point. I mean, you, you just have to have enough games to qualify. It doesn't, it's not like you're only being rewarded when you're coming off the bench. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, the overall profile. You know, you could, you could start what up to 40 games. I think, uh, I think yeah. it's, it's, you have to play half off the bench. Um, and I think with Brogdon, like it, it felt like Derek white kind of, encroached on his space a little bit like those those guys kind of like blended together and almost like shared the responsibility for the non-tatum brown celtics
1: right um so i pulled i pulled up a few numbers on these um no leonard no george clippers um with with westbrook these are the overall team numbers so with westbrook on the court Kawhi and george off team actually isn't horrible it's minus three um the most frequent lineup is like a westbrook Bones man Covington Plumlee thing, which is I it's I don't even know what that's about. But uh as you would expect, uh one the first percentile, so worst in uh turnover percentage on offense with Russ handling things, uh, 19% mark. Uh they're also the worst defensive rebounding lineup uh in the entire NBA, allowing opponents to grab thirty seven percent um
2: or excuse me, yeah, opponents grab thirty seven percent offensive rebounds against that Whoa. lineup. So, so they're getting an offensive rebound like four out of 10 times and they're turning it over one out of five times. Yes. Yeah. And then in terms of clips, baby.
1: And then in terms of like individual numbers, Powell and Westbrook, both with 30% usage rates, uh, Powell, that's in 35 total minutes. Westbrook, that's 104 total minutes. Um, yeah. I think those are, I think those are going to be the two guys, at least as the numbers would say.
2: And then you can obviously, I would say,
1: expect some stuff from Bones. Mm-hmm.
2: Clippers reopen now as six and a half point dogs. That's what I'm seeing at DraftKings. That is a shockingly low number to me. Um, I, I know they're at home. I know it's the playoffs. You don't see those big spreads. But uh, I, I would be I'd be pounding Phoenix here. I'd be pounding Phoenix at six and a half.
1: I'd be pounding Phoenix and I would be looking into uh, Phoenix steals props <laughs> personally, <laughs> and maybe some rebounding props as well for like guys like Aiton, but you have to worry it's a blowout as well. But um, right. You know, Russ.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, this man. could, this could be a tie Lu game, you know, we'll see. We'll see the tactician <laughs> that's Player true, I... not up as, as we speak, by the way, but very interested no. to see where those come in. The, the block steals props are going to be hit hard tonight.
1: They'll, they'll trickle in. I mean, this game's a late start. So people listening to this podcast may have an opportunity, but yeah, keep those, keep those turnover and rebound numbers in mind. Cause they're back they're back on the offensive class as well. So it could be a big eight in game. Um, Cause he needs to kind of make
2: a statement on the glass.
1: I think anyway, and I, mm-hmm. maybe he smells blood.
2: All right, we'll get out of here. Uh, we have to do the, we don't have to do it. We, we get to do the RotoWire <laughs> NBA MBA show on, on Sirius XM later today. Uh, you can hear that Monday through Friday, seven to seven 30. PM. Eastern. I've really enjoyed doing that these last few weeks. We hope you check that out. If you're a serious XM subscriber, you can find that of course on the NBA channel, channel 86. Again, that's seven to 7.30 PM. Eastern Monday through Friday. Uh, Alex, fun time chat with you as always. And we'll talk soon.
1: Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood golds, IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh yeah.